1: Dan Loney.
2: With all the building of apartments, townhomes, and condos going on across America these days, there's an interesting trend going on that plays right into the idea that not everyone has recovered from the recession several years ago. There's a rise in what is being called by several builders called next gen homes or multi generational homes. These are properties that are built for multi generational families living under one roof so that kids can live with their parents or parent could be in a smaller apartment within the house overall. It's an interesting change in how home builders are taking a look at this sector. To take a look at the change, we're joined here in the studio by James Timberlake, who's an associate faculty member at Penn Design here at the University of Pennsylvania. He's also a partner in the design firm of Kieran Timberlake. And also joining us on the phone, Joshua Coleman, who's a psychologist and senior fellow at the Council on Contemporary Families based down in Austin, Texas. James, great to have you in the studio. Thanks for coming in. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Josh, great to have you on the phone. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me as well.
2: Thank you. We were just talking about this, James, before we we got started on the air. Talk a little bit about the background in the shift of these multi-generational homes really starting to pop up.
0: Well, it's been, <clears throat> this phenomenon has been around for a long, long time. Uh, it waxes and wanes, I think, with the economy uh, in some ways. Um, and it's certainly a, a more regional phenomenon uh, that that we're seeing. Um, but the fact of the matter is that, that um, with the economy uh, and with aging, the combination of that, and with millennials and others who go off to school but then take their time to you know uh... get back to uh... what they want to do with their professional lives uh... going forward Um families um, disperse and then they come back together um, and particularly with uh, aging parents um, m- greater and greater choices are being made about uh, w- you know do uh, aging parents live alone do they do they get assisted care or do they come to the house yeah. uh, and live with the family which is better for them and better for the family and the kids and everybody else and so space needs to be made for that.
2: And now the, the, the housing sector The home builders are recognizing this this change, which has been in places you kind of alluded to with certain sectors of the community, maybe the Asian community, the Latin community for quite some time. But they're seeing it now as something that they look like, you know, they want to try and build properties, whether it be suburbs or in the cities that are built
0: specifically for these types of families. Correct. They, you know, I think we see it in the African American community as well and I think I think um uh you, you this phenomenon has quietly happened in the suburbs for you know almost three decades, with yeah. larger and larger houses. An extra bedroom was not a big deal sure. when there was already a family room and a very large kitchen, and, and lots of room for the kids to be you know out and about and friends to be over and guests. Um, in the uh, in the in urban situations where space is m- more precious, uh, certainly decisions have to be made about the value of the lot and, and what you can build and, and how many units you can build in that particular area and whether or not there's a market for that kind of, you know, that kind of multi-generational uh, experience. And I think what you're seeing is that uh, developers see this niche, and it's a niche now, yeah. but they see a niche that um, more and more people, uh, particularly want to live in cities, Desire that 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 experience. We we saw it in Chinatown twenty years ago. Here in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia. yeah.
2: Right. Joshua, in terms of, of the structure, the family. Uh, this is this is an interesting dynamic, as as James mentioned, that's been going on for a little while, and and seemingly now is boosted, as he alluded to, by the economy as much as anything else.
1: Well, what's interesting, it is indeed boosted by the economy, and and because of that, in the past ten years or or more it's becomes more the norm that a young adult will leave home and come back but the other thing that's boosting it which is of interest to me as a psychologist and somebody who who specializes in parent adult relationships is that parents and adult children are closer than they used to be so part of what's fueling this transition is that it kind of works for both both parties Mm -hmm. that because of the ways that parents have become more invested in child well-being and their own communication and developing the children's communication and being more sensitive, psychological, emotional, all of those things for the most part have resulted in both parents and adult children feeling closer than they have in prior generations. So that becomes its own engine of, that speeds us along.
2: I, I guess the the other part that's interesting about this, Josh, is the fact that a, a lot of what we're seeing here with these multi-generational families is also the understanding that the, the family wants to come together, but the elder member of that family still wants to have that level of freedom, uh, you know, uh, of of disconnect at time from the family. So, some of these houses that are being built, they're talking about actually building them with one entrance for the majority of the family, and the other being for for the parent as well.
1: Well, that's right, and I actually think that's a good idea. I think even if everybody is living in the same on the same property, that having a a place of of refuge or privacy, if things get heat up as they inevitably do in family life, is actually a really good idea.
0: James uh, well, post Katrina in the lower ninth ward for make it Right, that was exactly the model that was that was proposed, which mm-hmm. was you know a separate entrance at the front for you know part of the family, a uh, separate entrance you know, on the side or or the back for uh, elderly. There was a conjoining way of not having to go outside to come back in yeah. you know so that you could you could have the family get together, but certainly that level of uh um separation um but the ability to bring them together all under one roof um certainly is a design challenge i I was going to say what what Mm -hmm. are the challenges because when you're talking about that type of
2: dynamic within a family realistically you want to have the parent the grandparent you know depending on the level on the first floor of the house and if you are going to have that separation you're basically building a wall i would think from the back end of the house to the front or or side to side to basically separate the, the bottom floor of the house
0: well you know in tight urban lots that's going to be a that's going to be a choice yeah. about how you how you make those separations and whether or not there's a pass a passage door to be able to make the connection yeah um you know where there's where there's a landscape where there's more space where there's even an urban lot uh, where on the same lot uh, you know uh, uh, a, con- a a kind of conjoined arrangement an L shape arrangement or an, a kind of H arrangement around a courtyard yeah goes back thousands of years, you know, back to uh, uh, Italian and Greek homes where those kinds of conjoined families all live together. So, you know, there are lots of different spatial arrangements that can that can solve that problem. Hey, Josh, do you think that this is, and obviously it's been said, this is a
2: trend that seemingly right now is growing, do you see this as a trend that will continue even with the millennial generation coming up and, and the baby boomers starting to, you know, head into retirement now?
1: I, I suspect that it would. I mean, right now we've got one out of 10 people over 65. In 20 years, one in four will be. So that's an aging population that is going to need more care. And I think nothing's changing in terms of, I think there's an increased emphasis on child well-being and this kind of sensitivity that when it works, it works very, very well in promoting close relationships. So I, I would assume that this this will continue into the future. But, I don't see anything that would particularly interfere with that.
2: But I guess that that it's also mm-hmm. something that the family needs to, before they do it. Mm-hmm. The family has to sit down and discuss it because this is not. <laughs> there are some families <laughs> yeah. that this is just not going to be the right, <laughs> the right decision for.
1: Well, that's true. There was a study that said that for adult children moving back home, 25% thought it went terribly. Another yeah. 25% were neutral and then the other half so that they thought it went really, really well. So you're raising a very important point that if you're going to do it, it's very important to have kind of ground rules about it yeah. for people to talk about what their anxieties are, for there to be discussions about boundaries, et cetera.
2: I, I, one thing, James, that I didn't realize in, in looking at some of the research on this is that he, the Pew did a research study uh, two years ago and at that point, 18 percent of the U.S. population was in a multi-generational living, a dwelling mm-hmm. of some kind, right. which, you know, wasn't a huge jump, they said, from the year 2000. But seemingly it was a jump. And obviously, you know, in that time, we've had the recession and we've had people rethink the way that they that they are are going to choose to live and live with their family members.
0: Well, I think I think these things go in waves. I really do. I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a product of the 1950s and 60s, and yep. that was a time when families um, became very mobile and you know tended to move away from home for college and for graduate school. And uh, our elderly uh, grandparents. Uh, you know we're just only you know post world war II, we're only just sort of you know beginning to uh, reach those those 80s perhaps a 90 you know range and yeah. and those he- other health concerns came into play so you know we we kind of um, it, it, we kind of exploded apart and what we're seeing is you know parents of my generation who desire their kids back home? You know, desire close relationships with their parents. Yeah. D- desire close relationships with their children, you know, have um, en- enabled and and encouraged that co- recoalescing of the family. And I think, um, you know, we're looking we're looking to help take care of our parents when they when they when they when their health declines. We're looking to help. Uh, boost our kids, you know, um, post-college, post-graduate school so that they get the great start um, professionally. And so part of the way to do that is to have them, you know, close by until they're ready to make that leap.
2: Joshua, it, 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 there are obviously, when you're talking about having your, your kids in the house uh, post-college, there are obviously some dynamics that you do have to work out. But, you know, the overall goal, is, as James said, is to try and give them that that first step so that they can be able to to do a lot of this on their own and obviously the challenges that we've had in the last decade or so have kind of you know changed the dynamic a little bit
1: well that's a good point so on the one hand you have children who you have a closer relationship with them on the other hand the meaning of adulthood has radically changed in the the past say 30 or 40 years where say in the 1960s you were considered a an adult by the time you were 24 if you used institutional measures of adulthood such as um, job could support a family uh, marriage owning a house you know in the 1960s a, you know, a majority of people had reached that by 24 and now yeah. that may be pushed way out into the 30s so so what constitutes adulthood is radically changed, and that can also be a source of tension in the household between parents having expectations based on their own ideals of what constitutes adulthood, living with millennials who may have a very different idea about that. So, again, the more clarity people can have ahead of time about their expectations, the more they can avoid conflict in the future.
2: The phone number, if you'd like to join in the conversation, is 844 Wharton 844 I'd love to hear from maybe some families that have gone through this, because I'm sure there are a lot out there, you know, did this multi-generational approach work for you? Did you not try it for a certain reason? Please give us a call, 844-942-7866. Joshua, I'd be interested to also know uh, if a factor in a little bit of this change uh, of more multi-generational living has had any effect because of the higher rate of divorce we've seen in the United States over the last 40 years?
1: Well, I mean, it's certainly from from a financial perspective, that a, that a divorced parent, typically, statistically mothers have a harder time, so they may actually need more help. And on the adult child perspective, if the adult child is divorced, they may need to move back in with mom or dad if they have children of their own, because they need a, another set of hands. So certainly from that perspective, it has.
2: It is, though, it is an interesting trend in the building sector, and, and mm-hmm. you being a partner in a building firm, uh, having known about this and and having thought about this with, with the, the types of properties that, that you do, how do you see this growing out, you know, in the next few years? I mean, and, and as you alluded to before we went on the air, it's much different
0: doing this in the suburbs mm-hmm. compared to doing this in the cities as well. Well, <clears throat> I do think this is a market-driven phenomenon, and I think we're partially reactive to this phenomenon via via the market. So yeah. if a developer, uh, an investor, you know, desires to do this with their their property, then obviously we would design for that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's where I think it's getting driven from. I do want to touch base back on one thing that Josh said that I think is really interesting. That is I think there are two different design challenges in the house. One is how do you you know that that parents dealing with their older parents is a very very different design challenge, particularly if they're of good health yeah. um or not as opposed to dealing with their millennial children or their or or their or or their kids coming back from college where yeah. privacy issues uh you know are you know one or one are more alike than the other, um, you know, and the privacy issues, I think, for for millennials, for for, um, you know, for uh, students coming home from college and graduate school and all of that who want to live at home uh, and have, you know, different kinds of hours than their than their parents and their grandparents yeah. are a very, very different design challenge in terms of getting access and uh, in integration, you know, to a to a single roof household. Josh?
1: That's, that's interesting. I don't know that I have much to, to add to that. I could easily imagine that there would be, they're kind of constitutionally different yeah. households emotionally living mm-hmm. with, uh, living with uh, aging parents who may be infirm and actually need um, the parents to really be, have quick access to them and be within sight versus millennials moving back in. And you have to talk about things like revisiting curfews more from the perspective of uh, the parent's sanity than anything else. So, um yeah, it's an, it's, it's an interesting design challenge I hadn't really considered.
2: Is there also the, the factor from the business perspective of this is the cost of making these changes to a property in the city as compared to doing them in the suburbs?
0: Uh, no question. I mean, space, uh, you know, space and volume, uh, you know, in the suburbs for, you know, an added added room or bathroom onto a house, a separate entrance, um, you know, making those kinds of modific- modifications is considerably different than doing them in, in the city where space is tighter uh you might be forced to you know um think about uh an added story a you know a a a conversion of a, a an adjacent property yeah. uh, you know th- those kinds of things um and and they have different cost factors associated with them obviously bathrooms are more expensive than than bedrooms <laughs> yes. you know so uh you know and things like that so
2: 844 Wharton is the number to give us a call if you'd like to jump in. We'd love to hear from you about multi-generational living and multi-generational building that is going on right now. 844-942-7866. I guess also the interesting part is that because there are so many families that are thinking about this across the United States, that— It's not like one market or the other is seeing, you know, a market rise in this type of building. We're going to see this develop. You know, it could be here in the Philadelphia area, could be up in New England, could be out on the West Coast. This is something that that has the ability to have legs across the United States.
0: Agreed. And I think, uh, you know, uh, professional institutions like the Urban Land Institute, uh, uh, American Institute of Architects, um, you know, are the kinds of uh, organizations that probably need to take this on and daylight this and, and uh, give it some exposure so that people who are looking for Uh, what their choices are and what kind of um, opportunities there are from a design perspective and also from the kind of psychological circumstances from Josh's perspective, what what the influences are on that. I think there needs to be some more, you know, uh, uh, data put out there and and even designs in in such a way that people can then begin to evaluate how that might affect them. Is it it tougher, Josh, when
2: you potentially have – Three generations of a family within a particular house when you're talking about, you know, a family that that has a couple of kids, maybe, you know, single digit age or, or teenager age, and you're adding in the the parent, grandparent on top of that. I would think those would be the types of situations that would present the biggest problems or potential problems.
1: Well, they certainly they certainly increase the levels of complexity. And so in family life in general, the more numbers you have, the more opportunities you have for some faction of those numbers not to get along. So the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law, for example. Um, so there may be more problem-solving that needs to occur. On the other hand, that has to be... Uh, considered as a trade-off, a potential positive trade-off, because maybe grandmother or grandfather is a is a good mediator between the parents and the troublesome teenager. They can provide a kind of a help or support or buffer to, to a different kind of a difficult family member, or in some ways form a healthy alliance with a family member that needs much more support in the family system. So we never quite know when we bring when we increase the numbers in a family system under the same roof which way it's going to go, it's a little bit unpredictable. There's great opportunities for growth, but there are also increased opportunities for conflict as well. I
2: I would think, though, that, that potentially, if you have that type of dynamic, that the age of the children could also be a factor, as you kind of alluded to. If you're talking about... Uh, a grandparent coming in to live with a family that has younger kids, that obviously can be a, a, a very important benefit to the mother and the father, both who may be working two jobs. You know, it provides a you know, it provides an opportunity for the, the grandparents to spend time with the younger kids. It provides the parents maybe a night out, you know, if 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 they need a break, that type of thing. So there are there are some benefits, some some very important benefits, especially if the kids are younger.
1: Oh, there's no question. I mean, all hands on deck, particularly when you have younger children, is enormously useful. So having a a grandparent who's involved and can help and can babysit and can can provide the parents with with a night out is enormously useful. It's certainly wonderful, typically, for the grandparent, as long as they don't feel overused in a certain certain way. (laughs) Um, So so there are enormous opportunities of benefit in that sort of a situation.
2: How much of a financial benefit or hindrance is there to making these changes within a house strict strictly thinking from a business perspective James that you know you're making these adjustments to your house uh let's just say you know suburb house uh you know if you keep this house for x amount of years and the grandparent passes away and then you look to go to sell how difficult does that change the dynamic in potentially selling the house down the road that's not something that people think immediately about but you know, you know having basically an apartment within a house is probably something that some couples don't 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 look at
0: well <clears throat> no they don't and and I think um, oftentimes we buy a house because you know we either fall in love with it and we want it for the rest of our lives or you know, we're we're making an investment, and, and we're going to move first on first house, it. yeah, right. yeah, and um, and that even second and third houses sometimes. You know, for those that that you know sort of adjust up uh, along the way, and I think some of it has to do with how much you love your property, and are you willing to make the ada- adaptations, you know, to do that, and then yeah. the cost value, you know, perspective of that. Um, is par- partially emotional, but it's also um, partially practical. You know, a great example of this happened in the Levittown houses. Believe it or not, in that were Outside built in Philadelphia. Yeah. The, right, n- built in the fifties, all over the Northeast. Yep. Post World War II families coming home. Um, garages, you know, you know, small nuclear families. All of a sudden, garages were converted to family rooms. Kids went off to school. Kids came home from school. That garage room became an extra bedroom. Um, you know, the kids would go away again. Um, but all of a sudden, a parent aged, and and now they had a room in the in, in the in the in the in the place. But they were, you know, the family was keeping that house. Many of those houses were kept for, you know, several generations. You yeah. know, um, and now have turned over. So, a lot of it, you know, in the city, it's much harder yeah. because you know, again, you're you're talking about space available and whether or not you're willing to give up room in your in your unit or on your lot you know for the added you know uh people being added into that into that nuclear uh group as opposed to a a suburban house where uh, obviously a a third or fourth bedroom probably doesn't matter much to a to a already pretty large you know house but it is interesting that you know people and
2: and i've seen this in my neighborhood where my house is, that a couple of people have converted mm-hmm. smaller garages mm-hmm. into family rooms, and, and and
0: just because it will add value Absolutely. to you, the house, you put the car you put the car outside, and you yeah. know it stays out, yep. out, out, out out all the all day long. But put you all the tools, room. put all the
2: tools in the <laughs> shed exactly. in, the ba- in the back; of they the yard. were never
0: used anyway. That's true, <laughs> exactly right.
2: Uh, it, it, Josh, how important though is this discussion going forward as as we see the millennials? You know, uh, they get older and their generation of children, you know, are that next group to be able to have to think about this. Kind of put this in play in advance.
1: Um, I'm sorry, but what was the question?
2: Well, I mean, it, you know, it, we're seeing you know, people that are in their 40s, maybe 50s, have their parents move in, Well, the millennial generation is going to have this consideration as they get a little bit older, and seeing it firsthand has to be a benefit, and it's something that they will think about as they get into their 40s and 50s.
1: I hope. I hope that that's true. I mean, I'm, you know, as a family therapist, I also see the downside of our high investment in in our children that's occurred over the past half century, and in particular in the past Few decades, and, and one of the downsides to it is that I, I don't know that we're teaching quite as we're, we're certainly focusing on our children's well-being and their own voices and their own personal development and prioritizing their own uh, social capital and the like. I don't know that we're doing as good of a job of teaching them duty, respect for elders, uh, and those kinds of things. So I'm a little concerned that that if there is a fall off in this process, yeah. it may become it may become as a result of that process.
2: Great to have you both on the show. Thank you very much for for coming on, Josh. Great to be here. James, nice meeting you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. You got it.
1: For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.